hello, hello, our beautiful goslings. Um, this is the beginning of a really special episode of The Smug Buds. It's our first ever gift episode. <laughs> I'll talk about that more in a second, though. First, I want to introduce my beloved co-host, Will. Will, how are you doing today? I'm good, Liz. How are you? I am a little sunburned. <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm otherwise very good. Um, so it's mid-August. It's mid-August. That's, that's a fine time to be to be sunburned. I think I've also done an incredible job of avoiding being sunburned before this moment. So for your whole life, or like this summer? This summer. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I've been burnt many times. Um, sure. Not usually on purpose. I mean, I guess nobody gets burned on purpose. I was never a person that tanned. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would get sunburnt because I made an error in judgment even as a child. And that is what sure. happened to me yesterday, which mm-hmm. is that here's a top tip. Reapply sunscreen. It does not yeah. last forever. Mm. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think uh, let me explain just this episode really quick because it is a little bit of a birthday card too. Mm-hmm. So I have a very dear friend of mine. Um, who started small and has gotten bigger because he is a child, and his name is Owen. And uh, Owen is one of the most precious people to me in my life. <laughs> I've known him for all his life. Uh, he's so kind and thoughtful and interesting, and I love talking to him, and he knows a lot of things about animals, probably more than both you and I. Um, and he has incredible reading comprehension, which is really exciting. Um, but I recently learned that he listens to podcasts um, mm-hmm. for children because he is 10 or he is not 10, but he will be either when he's listening to this or uh, shortly thereafter um, because his birthday's in a in a week or so. His birthday's in August. And so I asked his mother um, to ask him what podcast he wished existed that he hasn't actually been able to listen to. And I believe his response to that question, though maybe not exactly in this order, was who's asking or why are you asking me this? And she said, a friend wanted to know. And he said, is it Liz? (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because I, there's no illusions about who I am or why I ask questions like this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But uh, he gave her some answers and I don't totally think he's fully expecting this. And I certainly don't think he's expecting me to have made a podcast um, with you, Will. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to do a special birthday podcast, and happy birthday, Owen. I know I've already complimented you a lot, but I really think you're great, and I'm glad that we get to be friends, um, even though you are a child and I'm an adult. (laughs) Yes, and I will echo the portion of that where you said, happy birthday, Owen. Yes. (laughs) Um, So this is going to be our first two-parter. We've got two halves to this episode. Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. Owen gave us um, two things that he wanted to hear about. Well, he gave me a, a couple, yeah. but these were the two that I thought would be most useful. It's not It's not important since this is for Owen, and Owen has not listened to other episodes of the podcast, which is normal. <laughs> not, not, not yes, this is of, a, a child-friendly part, version of this podcast. Not I will part only... of the main demographic. Yeah. But, um. So therefore, it's not important that I point out, like, I can think of one episode where we sort of did two things in one. Oh, really? Which one? 
Well, the last Christmas episode. You're right. The last Christmas episode. Was about both the song and the movie and is divided pretty neatly into one one and then the other. These are both animal related, but I would say that they are, that is the only thing that connects them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and also, you know, I will also not be talking about, you know, the doom and gloom of existing as a human as much this podcast. I thought that yeah. I was going to avoid it completely. And then I realized one of the main points that I need to make about one of the topics is very doom and gloom, but that's fine. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Um, I can think of why gloom might be involved. Um <laughs> Uh, uh, so I, and also I, so I guess there's, there's no point in devoting any time to old business. Yeah. I was hoping we could skip old business for this. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> it's, yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll always have time in the future for that. Yeah. Um, so Will, I think I told you, but do you want to tell me what we're doing our podcast on if you remember? And if not, then I'll. Yeah, do you want me to give you both? Or yeah, just... both. Let's do both. And then I'll okay. let you pick which one we do first because I, I don't have a narrative arc there that makes sense to do one over the other. Okay, so I think if I remember correctly, it's uh, cockroaches yes. and Pokemon. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and specifically with Pokemon, we're going to be talking about some of the animals that Pokemon are based on. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's – so that one's going to be a bit more of a – um. Like a flash in the pan, bing, bang, bong, because we're going to go through a bunch of them. Sure. Um, but uh, yeah, that we the cockroach one I have a, a solid arc for. I, I, th- I think I did a good job of making a, a little narrative to go with. Okay. So which one do you want to do first? I mean, I think if it's up to me, I would I would choose cockroaches first but yeah. also you should you know it should be up to your preference if you have one no i don't that's what i wanted okay. you to pick for me so can right. you give me your baseline on cockroaches sure so yeah. so owen every episode we always start with a baseline basically where the person who's hosting has the other person give us sort of what they know about the topic so will what's your baseline on cockroaches before i answer that can i ask just a quick point of order question yes it's thoroughly clear that this episode is for owen recognizing his birthday my question is is it exclusively for owen no i mean it's for everyone okay so it is okay if other people are listening absolutely i'm just letting owen know because owen is not a regular listener to the podcast because i talk about things that are very sad completely i just (laughs) want to make sure because i I have uh, been exposed to podcasts that make it very clear this is exclusively for one <laughs> listener and all others are, are forbidden from listening. And I, I've broken that rule myself. So I just wanted... <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, my baseline for cockroaches, first thing I think of, I guess I think of just like two things. First is they're the inspiration for a very famous song. Yes. La Cucaracha. Yeah. Uh, and the second thing is, uh, I I bet you'll probably talk about this. I mean, I'm wondering how much truth there is to it. There's a an idea or a fact that gets repeated an awful lot um, in, by people you meet or in media that you consume. Sometimes it's trying to be funny. Sometimes it's making a serious point. I just saw this happen 
in the last week's episode of Westworld, mm-hmm. uh, it, it came up. The idea that cockroaches, more than any other animal, will survive anything. Yes, that's part of what we're going to be talking about. Is this why doom and gloom? This is uh, where the doom and gloom in comes your, in. Yes, because yeah, doom and gloom in the form of say like a nuclear apocalypse. Yes, or exactly. Like yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. So let me bring up my notes really quick. So yeah, so I when I was thinking about cockroaches, I was like, okay, what you know, what's the angle here, right? Um, and I don't know exactly what. Owen's thought was with cockroaches but um I also this the cockroach um section of this podcast by the way um also has what is absolutely the most just mind like exploding fact I've ever learned about any bug in like the most horrifying way possible and it's not even related to the doom and gloom thing it's specific to one kind of cockroach Sounded like you said June gloom there. Oh, doom, ju- doom and gloom. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, so cockroaches are mm. known for being incredibly resilient, right? And right. I wanted there's a whole bunch of facts about this, and I wanted to to think about like, okay, so why are they so resilient? Like, what mm-hmm. makes them so resilient? Mm-hmm. Um, because. So the first thing I want to say is there's a bunch of different kind of cockroaches. They're from all over, uh, or you can find them all over the world. They're, they range in size um, from being, you know, just small bug to, like, the biggest one I think is – oh, I actually have this as a fact, so I should just tell you the actual number. Um, the biggest cockroach is over three inches long, which is horrifying. Yikes. <laughs> Don't love that. Mm-mm. Um, because do you know, I don't know if you know this about bugs in general, do you know why we could never have, um, like, you know how there's, like, movies sometimes, like, sort of old-timey's movies where, like, there's bugs that are, like, bigger than humans? Mm-hmm. Do you know why we couldn't have that? Like, why that does why, like, large bugs don't exist, essentially, larger than, like, the largest ones you can think of? I can't think of a specific reason. So this is great. I'm the other thing that like I will admit I'm a little bit self-conscious making this podcast because Owen does know more about bugs and animals than I do. Mm-hmm. So like I'm so sorry if you already know any of these things, Owen. Everyone else I'm sure is learning them for the first time, except Blake mm-hmm. because he's the person who told me this. Mm-hmm. So bugs, what do bugs have that humans don't in terms of their body? Exoskeleton. Ding ding. So mm-hmm. when you have an exoskeleton, you suddenly get into a really very specific game of ratios mm-hmm. because the exoskeleton is essentially holding in all of the goop on the inside of a of an insect mm. and you get into a ratio where you cannot have so much goop that it would crack the exoskeleton and mm-hmm. so you can't have bugs that are enormous because essentially the bigger you get the thinner the walls of the exoskeleton become, the less structurally sound they become, and the heavier the inside of the bug becomes. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we can't have, you know, dog-sized praying mantises running around. Um, mm-hmm. They wouldn't be able to support themselves. Um, so we do we do have a bit of a limit there, which I think is very good. I do not yeah. want there to be bugs that big. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's um, ideal, yeah. But three inches is pretty big for a, sure. a cockroach. Mm-hmm. Um, but that said, so yes, 
they're, they are very resilient. Um, how do we know that they're very resilient? Well, one of the ways that we know this is that they are one of the most common pests that people can have inside of a living situation, and they're incredibly difficult to get rid of. Um, and part of the reason that they are so hard to get out of um, our living situation, or like a living situation like in an apartment or a house as a pest, is because every single thing that it has evolved to do um, over the thousands and thousands and thousands of years that it has been alive has been purely for survival <laughs> and mm-hmm. survival through giant um, catastrophic events um, so that it can survive through things like, you know, not eating, not drinking, um, being, you know, attacked by radiation. Mm-hmm. So when did cockroaches begin? When did they start? So there's – I found some mixed information on this, but everybody agrees that they lived uh, along with the dinosaurs um, probably in the Jurassic period, um, which means that they would have, of course, been there when we had this sort of cataclysmic event, which everybody agrees was an asteroid. Hmm. And so they have existed for that long. So now, I'm going to tell you some facts about um, cockroaches, and then I'm going to tell you how they survived through all of this stuff and why. So the first thing is that, um, which is, I think, a little bit uh, more understandable, easier to understand up front, which is that cockroaches can live for a month without eating. Mm-hmm. Um, horrifying, one. Do you know why they can live for a month without eating? No. Um, they're cold-blooded. I was like, mm. oh, obviously. This makes a lot of sense. So basically, they don't need – like, we need food to keep ourselves warm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They don't need food to keep themselves warm. And so they need food, obviously, for energy, but they'll just sort of, like, slow down, essentially, if they don't have food. Right. Um, the same is true with water. So cockroaches um, need – Oh, can live without water for a week, which is still a really long time because, you know, humans can only live without water for like, what, two or three days or something like that. Mm. And so it's a very long time. Um, however, part there's another thing here, which is that cockroaches can hold their breath for 40 minutes underwater. Mm. Now, these things actually overlap because cockroaches will hold their breath when they don't have access to water to preserve the water that's already in their bodies. Mm-hmm. So not they're not even underwater. Right. They just are like on day four. <laughs> and mm-hmm. they're like, ooh, I haven't seen water in a while. And so they'll hold their breath for, like I said, they can hold their breath for up to 40, 40 minutes. So they'll hold their breath for these like long stretches of time so that they're not respirating out uh, water and that lets them survive for longer. And then the last thing about cockroaches is they can live for a week without their heads. Hmm. Now, you might be saying, well, what? why only a week? Hmm. Yes, that's, that's <laughs> immediately what I was thinking, of course. The answer is that that's what, what is another time that they die after a week? 
uh, without their body. Without <laughs> without water. Uh-huh. And so without a head, they can't drink. And so that's when they mm-hmm. they lose it. Yeah. So these are all things. These are just like general facts about um, about cockroaches. Right. It's, if you want to know what I actually was thinking. Yes. When you said, oh, they can live a week without their heads. Like every one of these facts about how long they can live, about X or Y. Uh-huh. My immediate my immediate thought is well yeah if you can call that living yes yes of course I mean I think so I think that that actually goes um, to the um, point of the cockroach right the point of the cockroach in terms of it's like everything it's done to survive everything it's adapted has not been to thrive it has been to survive. You know, cockroaches are not here trying to live their best life. They are just trying Mm -hmm. to keep living. (laughs) Right. Um, And another way that it does this is that cockroaches um, can flatten themselves very flat, where you can think that you have a seal on something and it can still get through. And it can also receive up to 900 times its weight in pressure before it crushes. So, which is to say, if there's a cockroach on the wall and you whap, you whack it with like a newspaper, you might not actually do any damage to it. Right. It just sort of like is flat and is like, and then like, you know, scurries away. It can, by the way, go up to three miles per hour, which I would Mm -hmm. like to say is fast for a bug, but I am still significantly faster. (laughs) And proud of it, apparently. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. There was a cricket in Elliot's preschool room the other day. Mm. And his one, her one teacher, Ms. Sakal, was like, ah! And I was like, do you want me to get it? She was like, really? Like, she mm-hmm. said it as if I was offering to, like, um, you know, pull her cat out of a fire or something. Like, something mm-hmm. really dangerous. Heroic, and, yeah. And I went over and I smashed it with my foot. Um, I did not try to save. You can't save a cricket. You can't save a cricket in a classroom. There's no way. Um, and then I said, would you get me a tissue? And she said, oh, and <laughs> she tried to get me a tissue, but the box was empty. And dramatically, theatrically, she ripped the box in half Sure. <laughs> and then procured me a tissue. And I, I disposed of the cricket for her. She was very grateful. Um, but yes, yeah, so these are all of the things that um, have helped cockroaches survive. And so there's mm-hmm. one more thing. And that is cockroaches will eat basically anything. Mm-hmm. So let's think of another animal with a, a diet. And that animal is going to be a panda. Will, do you know what pandas eat? Um, my first thought is eucalyptus. But I, I think I, I associate that with koalas. Yes, it's a similar nutritionally, nu- nutritionally not very dense plant. Bamboo? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah. So pandas eat bamboo, and pandas, Blake will go on and on about this. Pandas should not really be alive. Mm. They're enormous animals. Right. And they chose something that is like iceberg lettuce nutritionally to eat. Mm-hmm. They have to, to the point that they have to spend most of their waking hours eating bamboo because there's like so little nutrition in it. Mm. And so really Pandas should be extinct if we hadn't worked so hard to keep them alive as humans. Mm-hmm. Because they're not, they did not make a smart choice when they were evolving mm-hmm. in terms of their diet. Right. Um, 
And, you know, but they're very cute. And so we gave a bunch of money, we being the collective of humanity, to keep pandas alive. And we have. We've kept pandas alive. Cockroaches will eat anything. So cockroaches will eat vegetables. They will eat plants. They will eat meat if it's available. They will eat – sometimes they will eat – they've been known to eat, like, um, pantyhose from, you know, like women's pantyhose. Sure. Um, Nylons, as they might have called them in the 1950s. Mm -hmm. Um, They've been known to eat um, anything that is available to them that would provide any amount of nutrition. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, they'll, you know, they, they, this is why they're known as pests, right? Because they thrive in areas where there's just trash. Right. And so let's go back in time. It is a many, many, many years ago. And lo and behold, there are, there has been an asteroid and it has hit the earth. And the dinosaurs are not doing great, right? So it's 66 million years ago. I'm looking at my article now. And a lot of things are going to die and go extinct. Um, All of these dinosaurs are going to die. And what – and after the meteor struck, I did not know this. I thought it got really cold. Mm -hmm. It apparently got super hot. Mm-hmm. And that was another reason. So, like, not only are a bunch of plants dying on Earth, but uh, all, you know, so all the animals, a lot of the animals are too. And also yeah. it's just getting super hot. Right. So, you know, things can't really grow. There's not really sunlight because there's all this cloud cover. Um, cockroaches did a couple of things. The first was that they, like I said, they can get into really small spaces. So they were able to get themselves into crevices that were cooler just by Mm -hmm. the nature of being sort of underground or inside in rocks. Mm -hmm. The other is they could eat anything. They could eat whatever they wanted. And so anything that they came across that was edible, they were just able to eat. They were not a panda eating only bamboo. They were not a Tyrannosaurus Rex eating only meat. I know Tyrannosaurus rexes were not around at this time, but you get my point. Um, They were not another herbivore eating only plants. Mm -hmm. They just were like, ah, and hid and survived. And because they didn't need to eat except every 30 days, if they couldn't find food for a while, that was fine. Uh, They couldn't find water. That's cool. They've got a couple days left. Um, and even if, let's say, their head somehow was separated from their body, they could still make more cockroaches for at least a week until they ran out of the ability to have water, right? So they were still able to reproduce. Mm-hmm. And for all of these reasons, they – and clearly other things also survive, right? If all life forever was was knocked out when the asteroid hit, we wouldn't exist at this point. <laughs> mm-hmm. So some things survived. Clearly, we also know that birds, a lot of birds are directly related to dinosaurs. But um, yes, as a as a particular science teacher in college was very fond of telling us birds are dinosaurs. <laughs> birds are dinosaurs. They are a lot of them anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's how they survived that. Which brings us to the question of would they survive? A nuclear explosion. So this is a bit of the doom and gloom. Um, Nuclear explosions 
are very bad. <laughs> it's a bit of a one-two punch, one might say. Um, the first thing that happens when there's a nuclear explosion is there's an explosion, <laughs> which mm-hmm. I know sounds obvious, but there's heat, there's, you know, um, a lot of energy that's put out, and that, you know, depending on how close you are to the ex- actual explosion, that's going to wipe out a lot of life in that area. Mm-hmm. But there's a second part of a nuclear explosion um, that would be a problem, mm-hmm. um, which is radiation. Fallout. Fallout, uh, as the popular video game based yes. on this concept is called. New Vegas, etc. Yes. <laughs> and so the radiation is the long-term problem, right? So if you – let's say you avoid – the explosion you're either far away or you're in a bunker or something now you have to contend with this radiation which is doing things like altering your cells and um making them unable to give you energy the way you want or heal your body the way you want right and so this is and it also then thus making you sick right so Mm -hmm. you could if you get exposed to radiation Maybe not right now, but maybe over a period of 20 or 30 years, you could get very sick and that could eventually be your demise a little bit early. So how are cockroaches dealing with this? Well, the short answer, based on the research I did, (laughs) is that would cockroaches be able to survive a nuclear explosion? And the short answer is no. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) If, If a cockroach is sitting on the sidewalk and there's a nuclear explosion, it's not just gonna be like, I'm fine. Right. But what do we know about how cockroaches will survive? Where where could a cockroach go if it sees light? Underground. Could go underground, could go in a crevice, um, would hide in a deep, dark spot um, where it might avoid being burned up. Duck and cover. Duck and cover, as they say. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Except more effective because they're smaller. So that that's the first part. But now we have, this is the real thing. Like, are they going to be able to survive the radiation? And the answer to this is probably. And there's a very specific reason why. So we already know, again, that cockroaches are going to be very amenable to this new situation. They'll eat what's ever available. Um, they won't, they can drink whatever water and... They don't need it every single day. They need smaller amounts. Um, They will still be able to survive in that atmosphere. But now we have this problem of radiation affecting them. And this is where cockroaches differ from humans, which is that humans are replicating their cells all the time, (laughs) constantly. That's how we're growing our hair. Um, that's how if we get a paper cut, it might be healed the next day, which is really quite impressive if you think about it. Hmm. Um, this is how we grow. We have like a gajillion cells and they are just making new copies of themselves all the time. This is why, you know, everything in one's, in our houses are covered in dust because our skin cells come off of our body and they're dead because we have new ones. And then we get dust everywhere, which is essentially dead skin cells. Cockroaches reproduce their cells way more slowly. Like, I think they were saying that they only reproduce their cells. Let me see if I can actually find this fact that I brought up. I think they said 
every like 48 hours or something like that. And so Mm. this is the thing that is going to save cockroaches over humans with, um, yes, it cells only divide within a 48 hour, 48 hour period, um, once. So instead of our cells, which are, if like, like, let's say we're being affected by radiation, right? We're being affected by radiation. Our cells split in half to make new cells. Those cells are a little bit hurt by the radiation, but almost immediately it happens again. And those cells that were a little bit hurt by the radiation are now making new cells. And there's still radiation happening, so now those cells are replicating and making new cells. And it's like the degradation of like a JPEG or something, like an image on the internet, you know? Mm. The more times it's copied, the more degraded it gets because it's still being affected by the fact that the radiation is there and hurting it. Mm. Cockroaches aren't doing this constantly by the minute, by the hour. They're doing it like one time every two days. Mm -hmm. And so by just like replicating their cells more slowly, their cells are going to be less affected by the radiation over time. Mm. Um, The second thing to point out here though is let me read you part of this article. Which is that um, the things that is radiation are called RADs. They're radon units. Mm-hmm. And cockroaches, totally. like I... <laughs> totally rad. Tubular, totally. gnarly. Totally rads. Mm-hmm. So humans are really affected by rads. This is when we're talking about like the actual radiation coming off of um, a nuclear explosion. Um, a person, like a human person who is exposed to a thousand rads will only survive for about 10 minutes. Um, cockroaches can be exposed to a hundred thousand rads before they perish, Mm. which is, wow, literally a (laughs) hundred times more than us. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Now there is a question here, like I said. There is like a maybe here because they haven't really done this sort of testing um, over a long enough period of time to know Mm -hmm. this for certain. Just because you're exposed and survive like 90,000 rads or whatever Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that your body is still going to function where it it could make new cockroaches. It could it would live for a normal lifespan, Mm -hmm. um, which cockroaches, by the way, can live one to four years, um, which is a really long time considering they can, you know create new cockroaches just like on and on and on Mm -hmm. um so just because you survive that exposure doesn't mean that you're going to continue on your pop the populace of your species right right but it does go to show that you sort of have a perfect like set of circumstances for a cockroach um because again it's not like every cockroach has to survive right just some Mm -hmm. do right so if there is a sort of nuclear apocalypse, cockro- some of those cockroaches are just going to get burnt up. Mm-hmm. There are some that are going to be exposed to heavy amounts of radiation um, that will probably be just fine and go on. Um, and then there will be others that are exposed to really minimal radiation because they hid for long enough or they stayed underground or whatnot. And they'll just reproduce until the radiation, you know, the half-life 
Half-Life, of course, being the time for it to diminish by half. And a and also another video game franchise. Also another yeah. great video game. We like really have been concerned about this subject. Hmm, I wonder why. <laughs> oh, and that can be a, his- a history thing you look into later. Yeah. But, um, you know, the ones that survive there will wait until the radiation is low enough that it doesn't really affect anybody. And then they can emerge from the ground or wherever they're hiding. Mm-hmm. So... That is the question of, like, why are cockroaches so resilient? Do you have any follow-up questions before I give my final cockroach facts? Uh, No, I have a stupid comment, which is to say whatever lingering questions we have about the effects of the nuclear blast, the radiation, etc., hopefully those answers uh, will come in the form of uh, Christopher Nolan's next film, uh, next July, Oppenheimer. (laughs) Does he really have a film movie come out called Oppenheimer? Yeah, it's about Oppenheimer. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, yes, I'm sure we'll have all of our questions answered there then. I assume. Okay, so here are my last couple of facts, including the one that is the most horrifying thing I've ever read in my entire life. Great. The first is that um, cockroaches, you know, we think of as like lasting forever and being very old and stuff like that. Um, which means that there is sort of an interesting other insect that exists that evolved from the cockroach while still coexisting with the cockroach. Okay. Which is not something that happens very often, right? Very often mm-hmm. things evolve from other things and then that first thing just sort of goes away. Mm-hmm. Um, that's termites. Mm. So termites um, are oftentimes associated with ants because of the way that they sort of um, move in that sort of hive mind the way that ants do and their size and the way they look. Okay. But they've done some sort of genetic um, studies on termites fairly recently and found that they actually evolved from cockroaches, Mm. um, a very specific kind of cockroach that was a wood-eating cockroach. Mm -hmm. Um. And they were really highly social insects in the same ways that ants and bees are Mm -hmm. before ants and bees even existed. Mm. Oh, which, by the way, do you know this about flowers? So um, flowers didn't always exist. And I know that sounds obvious, but it wasn't like – like there were thousands and thousands, millions maybe even years that plants existed that flowers didn't exist. Um, I learned this at one day because Elliot actually asked, um, when did flowers start or something like this? Um, and Kenny looked this up and we were sort of shocked by this. And flowers, this like sort of makes me want to cry. Flowers started existing be- at the same time that bees started to exist. Mm-hmm. Right. So basically once there were these, you know, bugs that were flying around that could do things like spread uh, pollen that liked nectar any mm-hmm. plant that had anything close to a flower basically started evolving to have flowers because it was right. super useful with these bees around it was a way easier way to like spread your 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 seeds around right isn't that incredible mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it seems really obvious but it's one of those things that like uh it's like incredible that it actually worked out that way Na- uh, nature is a miracle so, like I was saying, very social um, 
termites, cockroaches, before there were bees and ants, which are also very social. Modern cockroaches are also still very social. So they um, work together. Um, Here's some information from this article. (laughs) So they live in groups, which is another reason why they're a pest in a home, right? Because they... You're not going to want – there's never a lone cockroach. There, there's going to be a group. They also have social structures. Um, so they communicate through smell and touch, which is very similar to ants. But they can recognize who they're related to and let other cockroaches know where food and shelter are. Mm-hmm. And a few of the species, because like I said, there's a bunch of different species of cockroaches, will actually divide labor in specific ways. Mm. Um, but the thing that's like, I think sort of scariest about this is that they've done studies on cockroaches where they let a cockroach grow up in isolation Mm -hmm. and that cockroach doesn't behave in the same way as other cockroaches. Mm -hmm. It behaves oddly and it doesn't know how to, um, when it is introduced to other cockroaches, it doesn't know how to figure out which ones are friends and how to interact with the ones that they, it wants to be friends with. It doesn't know how to um, it doesn't know how to find food as easily, which is basically to say that it learns from cockroaches learn from each other, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is very scary to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yes, so they're very social, which I think is. Um, Interesting. And they oh, they also will sometimes make group decisions. So they found mm-hmm. that cockroaches will basically figure out, like, where to move and where to live as a group. Mm-hmm. Um, which is impressive for how tiny their little brains are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are you ready for the thing that – when I said this to Kenny yesterday, he just went, no. I'm ready. <sighs> There is one kind of cockroach, just one. It's dip, Diploptera punctata that makes so, what? sounds really sounds punk rock. Go on. <laughs> it really does. Uh, that makes milk. Ah. Mm-hmm. Ah. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a mammal thing. That's a yeah. That's what <laughs> mammals are known for doing. Yeah. So it is milk is sort of a general term here. It's not really a liquid as much as it is these crystals, I guess. (laughs) But it's milk in the sense that they're really nutrient-rich. It's to feed their young, and it has, like, all the nine essential amino acids. It has this really specific balance of protein, fat, and carbohydrates, just like milk does. Um, And... They've, like, tried – there's been, like, some question about, like, would it be worth it to try to, like, harvest this milk for other purposes? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But it becomes really complicated because it becomes a balance of – it's not like with cows, right? With cows, it's really easy to essentially, like, just keep milking the cow after it gives birth. Um, with cockroaches, there's, like, you have to, like, do certain things with the babies, and then um, they're so small, um, and it becomes, like, a whole a whole ordeal. So they have not figured out a way to successfully um, collect these milk crystals from this cockroach for human consumption. Hope for the future. 
hope I hope that they don't figure it out. <laughs> uh, I'm I, as in all things, I'm pro progress and <laughs> hope that one day I will go to my local grocery store, my LGS. And uh, yeah, see uh, with the oat milk, the nuts, the different nut milks and pick up a teeny tiny (laughs) carton of cockroach milk. Or shaker, like a shaker of cockroach crystals. Mm. Yeah. So that that's my info for you on uh, on cockroaches, Will. Put some put some of that in my tea (laughs) before I go to bed. So, um. Do you have any follow-up questions or anything else to say about cockroaches before we move on to part two? Mm. I don't think I do at this moment. We can always come back to it if you think of something. Of course. it's there. Cockroaches are a thing that um, I, I will say like are sort of – are they're incredible, right? It's incredible that where so many other animals and insects have failed. <laughs> mm-hmm. The cockroach has succeeded. I mm. still think they are gross. Um, yeah. but, uh, that's just cause I don't want them in my house. I don't mind if they live in a cave somewhere. Um, that's right. This is something we consistently have to differentiate to Elliot. Bugs outside are allowed to be there. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I'm going to share my screen. So we're now going to do something which is not conducive to a podcast, which is talk about pictures. That's fine. <laughs> but, um... I know um, about Pokemon, and I know that you know about Pokemon. I know. So I my little baseline is that I have been playing Pokemon for 23 years now, almost 25 years. Basically, since it came out, I went out of my way to save up money so I could buy a, an original Game Boy and pay, play Pokemon Blue. Um, I haven't played every single game. But even when I wasn't playing the games, I was, like, very aware of when there would be new Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what's your baseline for Pokemon? I know we've yeah. talked about this, but for the sake of this podcast. I was thinking about this before. Um, I was thinking about this last night, and I've I've tried to review it in my head before. And I, I'm pretty much completely certain I've played a game in every major generation. Oh, okay. More than Pokemon. me then. Um, and I was sort of going through my history in my head and there's just like one or two parts that are a little fuzzy. Uh, but I'm so, so I think that, uh, at at some point I had, I had red, blue and yellow. I think I had all of them, but I think the very first one that I played was red. Yeah. We're opposite because I got blue. And then in gen two, I'm. Uh, I I played silver. Mm-hmm. For some reason, the one that I can remember the least is the next one. I I have the hardest time remembering if I played ruby or sapphire. Both really seem right to me. Like yeah. I can't like rule <laughs> one of them out. So I'm just gonna say I think I'm leaning towards I think I played sapphire. Okay. And then I'm certain that I played pearl. Uh huh. I think after that was black and white, and I played white. Yeah. I skipped black two and white two. Never yeah. played one of those. Uh, and then I played Y. 
of uh-huh. out of X and Y. I played Moon, out of Sun and Moon, and then I uh, played Shield most recently out of Sword and Shield. Yeah. I didn't finish 100% of those, but I finished most of them. I, I can remember not finishing Moon and not finishing White, I believe. And obviously, I've played lots of spinoff games. Yeah. Pokemon Snap. Have you played the new Pokemon Snap? Haven't played the new Pokemon Snap. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, we've talked uh, a lot before about Pokemon Go. Played yeah. that for a long time. Uh, played Pokemon Stadium. And um, one of my favorite games on the N64 was Pokemon Puzzle League. Yes, me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And various others. Yeah, so I've I played I skipped a lot of those middle ones. Mm-hmm. Um I played blue and yellow and then played Pokemon the original Pokemon Snap and I played the more recent one too. Played Pokemon Stadium which was a delight, just a delight, especially yeah. when you're going from like the Game Boy to that. Mm-hmm. Um I played that weird Pikachu game that was supposed to use like a microphone attached to the N64 controller. Yeah. It's not called Let's Go Pikachu. That's a recent thing. Yeah, it's called like Hey You Pikachu or something. I think that's like right. That. Yeah, I think that is what it is. And then um I just I just didn't really play Pokemon for a while. I didn't really have the the correct consoles or whatever. Yeah. And then I've played Y. I played Y when Elliot was having heart surgery, actually. Mm-hmm. And I um didn't finish that one though, but I played because I was mostly playing it in the hospital. And then I watched Kenny play a lot of Moon, Mm -hmm. where um, he'd just lay in bed and I'd like put my head on his shoulder and like watch him play, which he beat. And then, of course, I played um, uh, Sword and Shield and I also picked Shield because, come on, I'm a defense girl over here. I'm not going to go running into something with a sword. Mm -hmm. I'm going to hide for as long as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, and and I also have played really extensive Pokemon Go. I when I did most recently see Owen, I showed him my collection of Pokemon and Pokemon Go, and he was <laughs> very impressed. Nice. <laughs> I was like, "Well, I have, I am an adult, and I have been playing this game for five years." <laughs> <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. So, as we know, a lot of Pokemon are based on real life animals, and um. When doing the research for this, I did try to be very careful because there have been some animals that um, were... They sued for likeness rights. <laughs> yeah, pigeons were like, hey. Um, no, there's some animals that I just think are really obvious. Um, mm-hmm. So I didn't include those. So I and, and then also there are some animals that claim, like people have claimed in lists to be um, what the animal was based off of. The creators have said, no, that was not the inspiration. Mm. Um, Which actually, let's start with that one, which is Pikachu. Mm -hmm. So what is Pikachu? Um, I I don't remember if this is a translation thing or for for some reason, or maybe it's type. You know, they, not type, because that's like, Pikachu is like an electric type, but. They all have, I think it's called a nickname. Uh huh. Like you know, Pikachu is. The oh yeah, the sort of Pokemon. like the sub the subtitle, yeah. Yeah, and so I think I think of Pikachu as a mouse. 
Yes. That's correct. Pikachu mm-hmm. is an electric mouse Pokemon, and they have said, um, the creators obviously have spoken a lot about Pikachu <laughs> it being sort of the face of Pokemon in a lot of ways. Um, that it is just based on a mouse. They wanted to make him as cute as possible. They wanted to make him really round. Uh, he had a couple of different um, development things. So the cheeks were not there when they were originally con- conceiving of the design. And then they later, later added those red circles on Pikachu's cheeks, mm-hmm. um, which the which was actually borrowed from the idea of a squirrel collecting nuts and keeping nuts in a cheek pouch. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea that Pikachu would store energy there. But there is an actual mammal called a Pika. Mm-hmm. And it's, can you describe this little thing that I have a picture of up? Um, you know, it looks sort of like a mouse. Um, it looks sort of like a, like an itty bitty, um, like a prairie dog sort of. Yes. It's, it, it lives in like, um, sort of like prairies or mountains, mountainous areas that are drier. There's not a lot of like, it doesn't live in like a forest. Mm hmm. And so a lot of people were like, it's a real life Pikachu, but nope, not actually related to this thing. Mm. Um, Kenny did tell me that in Japanese, Pika Pika next to each other means sparkle, Mm -hmm. which is related to the Pokemon. So yes, so I tried to avoid that. I have not done um, really exhaustive research here, but I did double check and I tried Bulbapedia as like a really good source where they have the information um, that they try to make as accurate as possible to the origin um so yeah so the first one we're gonna talk we're just gonna go through them now Mm -hmm. the first one is polywag so polywag as we know has that uh swirl on its uh tummy Mm -hmm. and you know obviously and a lot of these two are things where it's like well yeah obviously polywag's a tadpole right it looks like a tadpole um but there's actually a specific kind of animal that this is drawing from, and this is one of them. So um, Polywag is based off of this transparent glass frog tadpole, and they're transparent, and so you can see their intestines. Mm-hmm. And their intestines make this little swirl exactly like Polywag has, mm-hmm. um, which is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen this one before? I feel like this is one of the more popular, like... Yeah. Yeah, I've definitely seen this before. Yeah, the image of the real thing is is uh, very striking. Yeah. It's enough to drive you crazy. <laughs> like uh, the Uzumaki. Yes. <laughs> Some, something for grown-ups to think about when they see spirals. So this is another one, uh, which is which is like... Obviously, it's based off this thing, which is Caterpie. Obviously, Caterpie is a caterpillar. Mm-hmm. But there's a very specific caterpillar that it's based on, which is the Eastern Tiger Swallowtail Caterpillar. And the thing that makes this caterpillar so unique is it's it's green. It's got the same coloring, right? So it's got this sort of like bright green with like a lighter underside. And it has these fake eyes. So I think you know, and I know Owen knows this, that a lot of times animals will have like markings that look like eyes to make them seem scarier. Mm -hmm. But the thing that really is quite striking about this caterpillar is it has this weird little orange Y-shaped thing coming out of its head. Mm. And that's the little pink thing that's coming out of um, Caterpie's head. And that's Uh. why this is so specifically a one-to-one 
Yeah, I see. Um, and for a lot of these two, I always think it's it's so funny because I've seen the Pokemon first, and then when I see the actual animal, it it in my brain, it's like, oh, it looks like somebody made a real life Caterpie, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> not right. the other way around. Yeah, somebody and did the, a use a three D printer or. Yeah, mm-hmm. and this is one of those where I'm like, right. oh, this is like so one-to-one. Like the mm-hmm. coloring is just a little bit different. Right. Okay, so this one, we get to talk about another, a couple other video games. Hmm. So are you familiar with Zigazoon? Zigzagoon? Zigazoon. Is it Zigzagoon? Isn't it? I have been, you're absolutely right. I've been saying this wrong for, oh, this is even this very bad article I copied from is spelling it a couple different ways. Let me look on my Pokemon Go app because yesterday was Zigazoon Day or Zizazoon. <laughs> my assumption is, and maybe I've read it wrong. I'm just reading it the way that I think it should be. You're right. It's zigzag. It is. Oon, right. <laughs> so it's Zigzagoon. It's Zigzagoon. You're absolutely right. I've been saying it wrong for my entire life. Which, by the way, yesterday was a Zigzagoon day mm-hmm. in Pokemon Go. And um, I it was specifically for the um, Galarian version of it. Yeah. And I caught six shiny Zigzagoons. Wow. <laughs> and you know how... So in the past, when we've talked about Pokemon, Will has been a little bit... Um, critical of the shiny versions of Pokemon mm-hmm. because of a specific color. And what is that color, Will? Pink, purple, pink and purple. Which is basically that a lot of the um, like shiny versions are purple. And with Gengar, it's a joke. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because Gengar is just a different purple. It's like mm-hmm. barely noticeable. Yeah, that's not okay. Which Gengar, is Will's favorite Pokemon. Yes. As you may remember, Gengar is my favorite Pokemon. Which let me show you, Will, the shiny version of Zigzagoon. It's awesome. Can you see that? Yeah, I think I have seen that. Yeah, that's a good one. And then the um, the Galarian version of it, I mean. And then this the like final evolution is like just as awesome. Oh, nice. Yeah, it, that's It's good. like goes from being black and white to being like a red... With like a blue tongue and blue eye shapes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, it looks so cool. <laughs> um, but yes, a normal zigzagoon, which this is one of those things where like, why would I have ever said this out loud to anybody? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. Um, is a raccoon dog. And do you know what a raccoon dog is also known as? A tanuki? A tanuki. Mm-hmm. And if you've never looked up a tanuki, they are... The goofiest guys, the goofiest little guys. Yeah. They're so round and fat. They're so fluffy. Um, they really do just look like a mixture between a dog and a raccoon. Mm-hmm. And there is a few other places that you will encounter uh, raccoon dogs and tanukis in video games. One of which is, of course, in the Mario world. Mm-hmm. There is a tanuki suit. Yep. Um but also in a game that I know Owen plays, Tom Nook. Oh yeah. In Animal Crossing, I didn't realize that he was a Tanuki, though it makes complete sense. Mm-hmm. Tanukis also have a lot of folklore around them that I yes. could not tell you off the top of my head right now. 
But right. I feel like they have to do with like wealth and prosperity, right? Yeah, I think so. So it makes sense that Tom Nook would be a Tanuki for that specific reason. Right. Can I interrupt uh, yes. real quick? Uh, are you hearing, is it a, the sound of a cricket or or something like that? Oh, yes. I guess I can hear a cricket. Okay. Is that in your real life environment? Is that Probably, I- yes. Okay. Got it. Okay. <laughs> It's it's an ambiance. I thought I was hearing it in my headphones, but I wasn't sure. Do you have crickets in Arizona? Yeah. Do they cricket? Like, are they the same kind of cricket? Uh, I think so. Um, you know, not as uh, prominently. Okay. Um, I don't think I realized until last year that they don't have cicadas everywhere. Mm-hmm. Right. And the way I learned this was somebody tweeting that they were on the East Coast and... It sounded like the sky was screaming at them. Mm-hmm, right. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you! there aren't cicadas everywhere. I right. assumed that they would be in any sort of temperate climate, but apparently mm-hmm. no. Yeah. I think they're around, but they're not as ubiquitous mm. in areas like uh, this one. Makes sense. Yeah. Too hot in the desert. Yeah. As my brother would say, no one should live in the desert. Well... He said that bitterly when one of his friends moved to the desert. He didn't want his friend to move. <laughs> mm-hmm. Classic. So the next is Sandshrew. Sandshrew is very cute, but it is based on one of my favorite animals in the world, and that is a pangolin. Mm-hmm. Pangolins are so cute. I love them so much. There's a very famous poem by Marianne Moore named that. Have I told you about how I learned what a pangolin was? I think so. Yeah, I think I'm familiar with this poem. So it's a poem by Marianne Moore, um, and I read it for the first time in grad school. So I was 23, Mm. and I came to class, and I was like, what a weird, like, animal she made up. And my Mm -hmm. classmates were like, girl, that is real. That is a real animal. And I went, Mm -hmm. what? Mm -hmm. Because she describes it as having these, like, artichoke-like scales. And I I was like, that's not real. (laughs) And I looked it up and I was like, this is the cutest thing I've ever seen. I would say pangolins are probably my third favorite animal. Mm. Alpacas, Mm. frogs, pangolins. Mm. Oh, octopuses, though. Mm -hmm. The Mount Rushmore. Maybe they're fourth. Huh? The Mount Rushmore. (laughs) Yes, yes. Of your favorite animals. There is, I guess they are a pretty wide array of creatures, aren't they? Mm Mm-hmm. That's good. Um, but pangolins um, are these sort of scaled creatures. Um, they are various sizes of them. So some pangolins are sort of like smaller than a cat and some are the size of like a medium to large dog. The giant pangolin, those who live in Africa. But the thing that makes them so cute and so fun is they roll up into little balls mm-hmm. <laughs> to protect themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and... There's some really great photos of pangolins in Africa rolled up into really tight balls and videos actually too and lions trying to eat them and lions literally like batting this ball around like a giant cat, like a giant domesticated cat and the pangolins just like rolled up going like nope, 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 nope and yet survives because it's just rolled up and the the lion can't get it because it's got all these scales. Like Tuk Tuk. Who's Tuk Tuk? From Raya. And the last dragon. Oh yes, exactly. <laughs> or I mean, would you say 
Tuck Tuck is more of a pangolin or more of like an armadillo? I think more of a pangolin. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Armadillos do, which by the way, I saw these miniature armadillos at the zoo in D.C. Mm -hmm. They were maybe like the size of, I'm trying to think, like the size of a large burrito. Okay. And it was... I was like trying not to scream. It was seeing them walk was the cutest thing I'd ever seen. They mm-hmm. were just so small and just like round and they were just like boop, 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 boop. and I was just like, oh my God, I can't believe this is real. And I just all I wanted to do was watch those armadillos, but we had to move on. I think of armadillos as being larger and there are larger armadillos, but these little ones, ooh, ooh. Mm-hmm. They do roll up, but they don't roll up in the same way, I feel like. I feel okay. like pangolins can get real tight. Sure. Okay, so this is one of my favorite. You know Shellos? Do you know Shellos? Yeah, I recognize it, yeah. Shellos, there's a couple of different colors of this little guy, but it's this like weird water Pokemon. It looks almost like a little slug or snail. It looks like a snail, except that it doesn't have like a shell. Right. And that's based on the Chromodorus Lochi. How would you say that, Will? <laughs> I would say Chromodorus Lochi. You're amazing. <laughs> We're going to go with what Will said. So, yeah. I, I was repeating you in case that wasn't clear. <laughs> These are sea slugs. And if you ever look up, have you ever looked up sea slugs in general? I don't think so. They're, if you ever look up sea slugs, they look a million wild ways. Like they look like every little magical creature. Like every every sea slug is a Pokemon. Like every mm-hmm. sea slug you could ever see. They look, they're a bunch of different colors. They're like brightly colored. They're different shapes. But this specific one um, very specifically has this little, like, it almost looks like a little water version of, like, a a Bulbasaur little thing Mm. on the back. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it has two little antenna. But it is, it does have this sort of snail shape in the sense that, like, I think a lot of times when we think of slugs, we just think of, like, flat sort of thick worms Mm -hmm. and this has some structure to it where it has like a neck and it it has like a sort of bottom part and a top head Mm -hmm. um but yes i highly suggest looking up any sea slug because they all look amazing yeah but this one in particular is another one of the this is like feels like one of those one-to-one kinds yeah i can see it yeah like not just inspired but like they just added cartoon eyes and then they were like we're done Mm mm-hmm so the next is this Pokemon Dragalgi. Is mm. that how you would say that? Do you think? I don't. I'm not familiar. So this is, um, I think, a poison dragon Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Um, but it looks exactly like a leafy sea dragon. Mm. And I have seen these these leafy sea dragons in person. Yeah. Have you ever seen one of these? Um, I don't think so. Could you describe the picture? Um, yeah, it, it sort of looks like a seahorse, but, uh, sort of like, a I don't know, like, like you crossbred a seahorse with like a, the way that like a fungus just kind of like branches out in, in weird growths. Yeah. It looks sort of like a seahorse and like a fern. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and these things are wild in real life because when they're in the water, they just sort of float around and like they're definitely trying to look like plants to mm-hmm. hide. Right. 
Um, so it makes complete sense that they made it into this like Pokemon. I think that this is one of the instances where the real animal is almost better than the Pokemon. It's much it, better. It's it's not just almost. It's not okay. a very it's not a very good <laughs> Pokemon in in my opinion. Yeah, as a Pokemon, it just sort of looks like um, scribbled or something. Yeah, Aaron Hansen from Game Grumps has a complaint about the design of some Pokemon, especially more modern Pokemon, that uh, his shorthand for it is he says they're just shapes. Yes. Yeah, this one is like just lines. Mm -hmm. But the real animal is this like really detailed, complex creature that like yeah. you almost can't believe it exists right yeah I don't, I don't think it makes sense to try to translate that to the visual language of pokemon but i see why they wanted to because it's mm-hmm. so cool yep so next up is magikarp and can i tell you i thought magikarp was based off of just a goldfish sure um but it's not um it's based on um, this yellow rockfish, which I know you can't really see for scale here. I'm showing it to Will. Is just looks like a very grotesque Magikarp. Sure, yeah. But it's big too. It's like you know, the size of you know it would be like it would cover my like shoulders. You know what I mean? Like the width of my shoulders. The size of fish that Henry Winkler might pose with in a photo for Twitter. <laughs> yes. Yes, a poseable fish, not a little goldfish that you would keep in a, a tank. A trophy fish. And I guess part of the reason why this particular... So first off, this fish was like overhunted. Like people ate this fish a lot. Um, and Sounds so good. their population has really decreased in the past you know, couple of decades. Mm-hmm. But part of the reason why this fish in particular we know is part of the influence of the Magikarp is that it jumps. It's known Mm. for jumping way out of the uh, ocean into the air, Mm -hmm. which as we know, what is Magikarp's favorite move? Splash. Splash. Um, But yes, this, this is a fish that like, it's like not that interesting looking, except I think Magikarp is kind of cute. And this just looks like a horrifying, it's so like, um, sharp i guess yeah it's not a flattering photo no of the actual fish and of course magikarp evolves into my favorite pokemon Mm. gyarados right okay i feel like you don't like drowsy is that correct i don't recall saying that i (laughs) i might have though I feel like you said you didn't like Drowsy because you think he's just sort of creepy and weird. Maybe. You don't like his wiggly fingers when he's doing his like wiggly finger. It's It might be, yeah, it might, it, my comments, which I am vaguely recalling, might have been specific to the- Oh, the Pokemon Go animation. Right, yeah, the sort of default animation in Pokemon Go where, yeah, he, he looks like he has- lascivious purposes yeah he's like very wiggly and sort of like creepy and i get that um so drowsy is one of these animals or pokemon that like as soon as i saw the root animal i was like 
oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And what it's based off of is a tapir, um, an Asian tapir specifically. And I these, would say tapir, but go on. Is it tapir? That's how I've always heard it, but that's I, you're probably right. I don't know. Um, but the thing about this animal. There's two things about this animal that make it based off of the Pokemon. The first is that it has this weird little trunk nose, Mm -hmm. like just the shortest possible nose you could have and still call it a trunk. Right. Which, of course, Drowsy has. Mm -hmm. Um, But Drowsy very famously sort of has this like mud bottom where it's like just been in mud half up to its like tummy. Mm Mm-hmm. And the Asian tapirs don't live in mud or something like that, but they do have a coloration where the bottom half of their body is a different color than the top half of their body. Right. Um, again, another very one-to-one. Like, when I saw that this animal existed, I was like, ugh. Yep. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. It's a good animal. So the next Pokemon is a crocodile. Mm. And this is one of those ones where it's like, well, it's based off of a crocodile. Yeah, mm-hmm. And it is, right. but it's based off of a very specific crocodile mm-hmm. called a, I'm going to guess on the pronunciation of this, a gariel. Not familiar with this. So it's a crocodile that has a really, really skinny, long snout. Or snoot, if you will. Yes, a little, little snoot to boot. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're they're endangered, I think. Mm. They're specifically in yes, they're critically endangered. Um, maybe because they decided to evolve to have a weirdly shaped mouth. Mm-hmm. I actually don't know why they're endangered. Um, but yes, it is a very specific looking. It looks like somebody did a bad job of drawing a crocodile. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the um, crocodile also has this very long uh, snoot as well. Yep. yep. Now this one, I had to double check because I feel like there's more than one Pokemon that claims to be based off of an axolotl. Right. And I went with this one for a specific naming reason, though it's not actually based off of an axolotl. You'll see what I mean in a second, which is Wooper. So can you, oh, did I not copy a picture of Wooper over? Oh, no, I did. Can you explain what the Wooper Pokemon looks like? Hmm, well, he's got a big head. Yes. Uh, he's a uh, light blue flesh, uh, little itty-bitty cartoon eyes, uh-huh. and a gigantic uh, smiling mouth. Uh-huh. Um, he's got a little body with no arms, yes. two feet, and a big tail sort of shaped like a beaver's tail. Uh-huh. And he's got some belly markings. And also he's got out the sides of his head, sort of like they look like small branches, almost like little tree branches. That's a great description. So yeah, Wooper is based um, off of a, not off of an axolotl explicitly. It's actually based off of a larval salamander. Mm Mm-hmm. So a salamander before it's fully grown into its salamander self. So in the first picture that I'm showing you here with the larval salamander, you can see that it does it. And this is the I'm glad you pointed out the no arms thing because that's essential here. So it does. It has these tiny little eyes um, and it has these branching things coming off of its head on the side. 
But the arms that it does have are basically non-existent because mm-hmm. they haven't fully grown in yet, right? right? And that's what makes this, you know, probably more closely related or based off of the larval salamander than to an axolotl. Mm-hmm. Now, that said, the axolotl, which we all love, and I know yeah. Owen loves the axolotl. How can you not? They're so cute. Does have that big smile in the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, and does still have the um, feathery things, but they're not the same. So on a larval salamander, the feathery things are temporary. Mm-hmm. On an axolotl, they're just always there. Right. And they're not as branch-like as on the larval salamander. Yeah. And of course, axolotls have arms. Like those arms aren't going to fall off. Right. But here's the reason why axolotls are definitely related to the whooper. So mm. it's called a whooper in part because it's like a sound Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Like its thing is that it makes sounds. Um, and this name and its name in Japanese um, are both derived from this term whooper looper, mm. which was a marketing term. Um, for Ryan to- Johnson's looper. <laughs> yes, for the movie. Looper by Rian Johnson. Um, <laughs> because they were trying, in Japan, they were having a pet salamander fad where people were having a bunch of pet, pet salamanders. So they derived, they pulled it from that. Um, but that is the term of, that is the Japanese term for axolotls. A whooper looper is? Wo- yes, but in like Japanese, we would say it less... Um, English sounding. Sure. Okay. So this is a, I actually really like this one because this Pokemon like doesn't really mean anything to me. Like mm-hmm. I have no affection for this Pokemon. No offense to the Wooper. Um, but I think it is a great example of good design. Like they looked at these things that were related and um, in the way that they looked and pulled the best parts of them, if that makes sense. Does Wooper evolve? Yeah. Does Whooper evolve into Wobbuffet or are they? No. Okay. That's my. It seems like it should, doesn't that's it? That's my problem with Whooper is is that it's <laughs> too too similar to Wobbuffet. But Whooper evolves into Loudred. Or mm. no, it doesn't. No. Whooper, Wismer evolves into Loudred. What does Whooper evolve into? I know it evolves. Wismer, Loudred. Quagsire. Exploud, right? Yes. Uh, yeah, I forgot about Quagsire. Yeah. Whooper evolves into Quagsire. Yeah. Quagsire, I think, actually looks more like Wobbuffet. the one that Yeah. Yeah. That's the that's the real issue. I hate Wobbuffet. I think Wobbuffet came first. Yes, I think it did too. And I think that Whooper to justify Whooper's existence, it should really be like the baby version of Wobbuffet. I would accept that, yeah. Is there a baby version of Wobbuffet? I don't I don't think so. I hate Wobbuffet. That's my least favorite Pokemon. Wobbuffet had a very memorable sound in the anime. It does have a baby version. It's called the Why Not. Hmm. Okay. And it's got ears and like a front waggle. Wobbuffet. Is that yes. what it sounded like? Yeah, I think that's how it sounded. That's my best <laughs> impression of my memory of it. <laughs> My impression of my memory. (laughs) 
This is an obvious one, but I feel like it's worth pointing out because of the um, region specifically, Mm -hmm. which is Yamper is a corgi. Yep. A Welsh corgi specifically. Um, And I bring this up because Yamper was introduced with um, Sword and Shield, which takes place in the Galar region, which is Britain, Great Britain. Right. And so I think it's really smart that they made Pokemon specific to a region that in the real world equivalent, it's from that part of the world, if that makes sense. I I, I was embarrassed by how much that decision appealed to me as a white person. Yeah? When I saw like, oh, the new region in the new generation of games is based on Great Britain. And you can see in like these various examples of the new Pokemon how they're riffing on that. Mm-hmm. I'm embarrassed by how much that spoke to me more than any other iteration. Oh, any of the of other regions where they've done that before? Yeah, that. yeah. I actually like so the um, Sword and Shield was again one of the first Pokemon I had really played through. Because, like I said, I played X and Y and I played Sun. I watched Kenny play Sun and Moon. Um, But this was the first one I had really, like, dug way, way into. And I, as you know, love the sun and was like, man, Britain is, like, kind of (laughs) dark and cloudy. Yeah. So I was not as stoked, actually, to be in the Galar region because I was like, Mm. this is not my bag in terms of um, aesthetic. Yeah, no, that was more for me. I enjoy that aspect. <laughs> I was really sort of out. And th- again, this is like embarrassing mm-hmm. as a as a white person. I'm not proud of it. But I was just uh, Sun and Moon's uh, region and aesthetic was like the it's a a uh, is it an atoll? Is that the right term? For yeah, like I think a, so. It's like a group of like maybe four tropical islands. Yeah, and it was specifically in, like, the Pacific Ocean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And an example of how they would riff on that is, like, these... I'm, I don't recall if they're all legendary, but they seem legendary. There's, like, Tapu Lele and Tapu yes. Koko, and they're... And all of that was kind of like, uh, okay, just not really my vibe. I'm not not really interested in that uh-huh. aesthetic. So I, I was out on that. And then they really pulled me back in with like Zigzagoon, you know, looks <laughs> like black and white and angry now. Yeah. And, and the Team Rocket equivalent is like a bunch of soccer hooligans, football hooligans, I guess. Yes. Um, yeah, that that got me. And the, the people that love the Zigzagoons are like these like punk rockers. Yes, right. And yes, they were very like, oh, the it's just... Yeah, I just really enjoy the sort of like distillation of like British culture <laughs> into football hooligans and like punk rock. <laughs> and corgis. I did like the punk rockers. They were really funny. In the and, game, they were like hilarious. They're mm-hmm. they were like so I mean every every character in those games are like a caricature, but they right. specifically were like so a caricature. Yeah. A really fun caricature. Yes. Um, and Yamper uh, is a, is great because he's a real cutie. He's so cute. He's very round, which is, I think, the biggest thing you got to take away from a corgi. Everybody thinks it's the short legs, but 
it's and the great, roundness. And great colors. They chose yeah. great colors. Well, because he's an electric type poking, poking right. one. Mm-hmm. I once got into an argument with Owen. This was five years ago, so Owen was five. Mm-hmm. <laughs> About dual type Pokemon. Right. Because he didn't understand. I'm sure he's so smart. He absolutely understands this now. He didn't. He was like, no, it's not a dual type. It's water and whatever else it was, the Pokemon we were talking about. I was like, no, dual means two. A dual type Pokemon just means that it has two different types. And he was like arguing with me. And I just remember thinking, I am right and I'm winning this argument, (laughs) which is not fair because I'm arguing with a small child. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was right and I did win the argument. Um, Okay, Gorabis. Do you know Gorabis? Not really. So Gorabis is one of the two evolutions of Clampearl. Okay. Um, Clampearl is like this clam with like a little face on the inside when it's open. And it evolves, at least in Pokemon Go, evolves randomly. So I only have the one. Mm. And that one is Gorabis. And Gorabis is like, this is an example of like, they took something and they made it really cute. And then when you see the original, you go, oh no. Mm -hmm. So the original Gorabis is like pink. It looks, it's almost sort of dolphin-like in shape, except in the terms of like it being like sort of an arc. It's like... um very pointy it has a really pointy nose it has sort of like a pointy thing coming off the top of its head that's like a fin um it's got like eyelashes Mm -hmm. could you describe the uh long nosed chimera that it's based off of yeah so it looks like uh it sort of looks like one of those um trendy ai you know, art creating yeah. uh, sites, uh, yeah, created a a bad and horrible image of <laughs> of a shark with a uh, with a comically long pointy nose, yeah, and a beady eye that's like way too big. I think it's the opposite. I feel like it looks like a hole of an where an eye should be. That it looks so, yeah. I mean, it's so big that yes, it looks like a hole in its skull or something. Yeah. So I, I don't really need to talk about more this more, except that this thing. I think this is one of those like very deep underwater animals. Oh yeah, yeah. And it just so it like has no color. It's blue in the picture, but I think that's just the light that's being used. Like I think mm. I'm sure it's like a pallid white. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Horrifying. Horrifying. We don't need to look at that anymore. Yeah, that's an, an abomination. So this one is really obvious, but I wanted to include it because um, I think it's so cute, which is that Toucanon is based off of a toucan, but like I didn't realize how much toucans have like such specific coloration until I saw them next to each other. Mm -hmm. Like I think I just assumed that toucans just were like whatever colors. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but no, they have like a very specifically colored beak and then they have a very specific sort of like hood of black that goes down over their shoulders and over their back and their front and then have this sort of like chest to face area that's a different color. Yeah. What an incredible creature. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Loves its uh, Fruit Loops. So we're back to the Galar region. Mm-hmm. And this is Dubwool. Yep. 
So dub wool is one of those ones where it's like, it's a sheep. Yep. But this is also specific to Britain, which is that there double has two sets of horns. It has horns on its head and horns sort of coming out from under its face. Mm. And there's two kinds of sheep in Great Britain that have these double horns, the Scottish Hebridean and the British Javab sheep. Mm-hmm. Um, so both of these sheep have similar coloring where they're sort of mottled instead of just being like all white or all black. Mm-hmm. They have spots sort of like a cow, which is similar to the way that they ended up coloring double. But then they have this very bizarre four horn situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, I thought this was very, very smart of them, especially because like this double horn thing seems like something the double horn thing seems like something they would have done because it's a Pokemon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And instead it's actually drawn from real life. Right. Right. Yeah. It's not just like, how do we make this animal more fantastical? Yeah. So Chita- are you familiar with Chitat? Sort of. Yeah. I mean, I recognize uh, that. Yeah. It's this little bird that has like a music note for a head. Right. Um, and it's based off of um, the collared lovebird. So the collared lovebird does not have a crest coming off of its head that looks like a music note, unfortunately. Mm, no. um, but it is otherwise one-to-one for coloring. Mm. So I think that the, chita- the the lovebird's wings are more of like a dark green than blue, which is what the chatat has. Yeah. But otherwise, it's got this sort of like black face, a yellow neck, a very light green tummy, and then like a more bluer green wing situation. Right. Which I think is fun. Yeah, they also made the decision when they were designing the Pokemon version of this, not only does it have the music note head, but it has a sort of collar, flowery white collar that I feel like if it's a reference to anything, I don't know, that feels like like a Mozart yeah, it looks very Mozartsy. Like yeah, it feels like it's a reference to like this is how a composer would dress in <laughs> the 18th century or whatever century it was. Um, and apparently, um, uh, lovebirds aren't um, like you know knocking people over with their sounds, but they do. They are known for a really sharp, chattering call. So they are a bird known for the sounds that they make. Just Googling Mozart to see how embarrassing it is that I chose that century. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. That's fine. It's fine that oh, I Oh, you said good that. job. So Fennekin is one of the starters from X and Y. It's the mm-hmm. fire type starter. Yeah. And it's based off of a Fennec fox, which is hands down one of my favorite foxes. <laughs> Mount Rushmore foxes. Why? Big ears, little face. Yep. That's right. So, granted, every fox you'll ever see is going to be the cutest thing you've ever seen in your life. Like, if you're seeing a, a fox in real life, it's nothing short of a magical creature. They're incredible. Um, fennec foxes specifically are a lot lighter orange. So, they are orange, but they're, like, it's almost like they've been, like, um, airbrushed with orange. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then fennec foxes have this really pointy little face. Yep. And then these enormous ears. Right. Which make them um, super, super cute. Yeah. Um, And they're also native to the Sahara Desert. So it makes sense that um, Fennekin is a fire type Pokemon. Mm -hmm. Very good. Okay. So have you seen the, have you seen Bruxish before? I'm realizing I don't actually have a picture of this Pokemon. 
Yeah, I, I've I've seen the picture of the real uh, fish, and I feel like it, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, the big lip, it, uh, yeah. Bruxus is a goofy, such a goofy Pokemon. Right. It's got these like very like seventies like psychedelic colors that are like very neon, yellow, pink, blue, teal, more like yellow, pink, teal, purple. Right. Um, apparently has teeth. It is based off of, um, a Pokemon called an animal. Oh yes, or a real life animal called the reef triggerfish, mm-hmm. which in the Hawaiian language is one of the longest words in Hawaiian. Ah. Which Hawaii Hawaiian the Hawaiian language is known for having really long words, but right. it's let's see, I'm gonna do this syllable by syllable. Hamu, hamu nu, kunu, kwa. Mm-hmm. We're just going to say that I did a great job. Yeah, that's right. Or we're going to apologize deeply to the Hawaiian people for not knowing how to say any of their words correctly. One or the other. Um, but this is, the colors are not there. Well, I guess the teal is sort of there, right? Yeah. Um, but it is so oddly shaped as a fish. It looks, because it looks almost right. Mm-hmm. But the eyes are like so high up on its body. Right. Like if it's a football shape and it's – if you're thinking of a football shape and a fish, like the eyes should be maybe like an inch or two away, like maybe a quarter of the way up from the point. Yeah. And these are like almost at the, the midpoint. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then it does have this very prominent mouth. Yes. So say again what this what we call this fish in English. A trigger fish. Right. And the Pokemon is what? Brux? Bruxish. Right. Okay. So yeah, so I uh, the the design of Bruxus is obviously, you know, appalling to, uh, you know, a sense of decency in in a human being, and <laughs> yeah, and now I understand why they made it that way is because it's a fish that triggers me. <laughs> I'm triggered looking at Bruxish. Yeah, I mean, how can you? And how can you not be? It's it's a it's a triggering. Uh, image. It also looks like the picture that I have for this. It looks like it's looking at me and it's disapproving. Uh huh. Uh huh. Now this is not an animal, but it is a living thing. Mm-hmm. That is Victory Bell. So Victory Bell um, is this like plant pokemon that sort of looks like its head's upside down like its eyes are below its mouth right and that's because it's and it has a little leaf for like the top part of its mouth Mm -hmm. and that's based off of a pitcher plant which is one of the um it's a it's a (coughs) one of the carnivorous plants that exist on the on the earth and the way a pitcher plant works is it has you know a really appealing sort of smell or liquid inside of it and a bug falls in and then gets stuck and can't get out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yes, this is another one that it's like really one-to-one. Like it even has like a little extra leaf on the side, much like Victory Bell has two sort of leaf arms on each side of it. Yeah. Victory Bell was always uh, eating James in the anime, if I remember the joke Yes, correctly. you're totally right. I think that's correct. No, Victory Bell, don't attack me. <laughs> That sort of thing. Did you watch much of the anime? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, we, when it was new. Yes. 
And, yeah, we've watched some of it with Elliot, and we've also watched some of the newer iterations of it, mm-hmm. um, which is always funny because it doesn't have the characters I'm used to, and clearly they have a different Ash Ketchum now. Right. Yeah, I haven't watched it in many years, but when it was new and I was, you know, Owen's age or a little bit younger than that, uh, that was, yeah, one of my favorite shows. So Vile Plume. This is one of my favorites. Yeah, you like Vile Plume? Yeah, specific. So as I said already, Gengar is my favorite Pokemon mm-hmm. singular. But um, if we were ranking like, uh, you know, taking as a whole package every iteration of mm-hmm. on the evolutionary, what would you, chain? Would you call it like an evolutionary chain? Yeah. Oddish Gloom, Vile Plume is really high up there for me yeah just, that is good they're I, all distinct but I yet you can see how they're connected the design of all three of them and how they connect but how they differentiate so vile plume is uh based off of a raflesia arnoldi which is a big plant that has these really big wide petals and this sort of giant big center part with a hole and this is one of those plants that just like has a smell well it has a particular smell i mean you you said the scientific name for it but we all know what this what this is colloquially (sighs) colloquially known as right this is the corpse flower yes hence why vile plume is very pretty but its name is vile vile plume Plume. yeah it the corpse flower is supposed to smell like rotting flesh yeah very gross Mm -hmm. um but this is also like again this is one of those plants that like i cannot believe this plant existed exists Mm -hmm. and then basically for vile plume they just took it and just drew like a tiny cute un uh like detailed little body on the bottom Mm -hmm. it's great (laughs) i love it So next is Dugong, and Dugong, of course, evolves from Seal, which is a seal. Mm -hmm. And Dugong looks sort of just like a seal, but with a little point and some extra little teeth. Little unicorn horn. Yes. But um, this is one of these ones that Dugong is not based on this animal, but they got the name for it from it. Okay. So are you familiar with manatees? Sure. So there's a kind of manatee or a, re- a relative to a manatee. They're either they're either like a subspecies or they're like very they're so closely related that like, you know, who cares? Called a dugong. Um a dugong I believe they only live in the Indian Ocean. Mm. Um no, that's is that wrong? Yes, they only in, live in like the Indian and Pacific Oceans. They live in very specific areas. Mm. Um, there's a lot smaller population of dugongs to man- manatees, which uh, is not great because manatees we have made endangered many times. Mm-hmm. Um, but dugongs are very similar to manatees. They're not nearly as fat. So they look more like a um, – they're smaller. So they look more like a um, – like dolphin sized than giant floating adorable rocks. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're that spelled D U G O N G, whereas right. our dugong in Pokemon is spelled D E W. And it is our dugong. Yeah. Yes, our dugong, our mm-hmm. friend. Yeah. <laughs> so this, I thought this was interesting because I did not learn about this animal until I was an adult. Mm-hmm. And 
Um, it, it, I mean, they're both sea creatures, but they're, they don't look anything alike at all, except for the fact, I guess, that they're long. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and mammals. Right. Like, obviously mammalian in some way, as opposed to being like a fish. Um, but they just took the name. They just took it. They're yeah. like, this works. I, I just, uh, quick moment to acknowledge there's a different noise that i've yes. been hearing in my headphones yeah it's less obvious what it is compared uh-huh. to the cricket sound it sounds almost as if they're like rudy is in the room and sleeping no it sounds almost like a like a snore of a small animal or <laughs> or a, or a purr of a cat i don't know what you're hearing will do, do you if you just uh, listen for a second. Do you hear something? I mean, I still hear crickets. Oh, maybe it's a cicada. A lone cicada. Maybe it is. Maybe. that I like the idea that a lone cicada could just pretend to be a cat. Well, I've played Stray recently, and it sort of sounds like the sound that the controller makes when the cat goes to sleep. <laughs> we have a few more. Mm-hmm. Which is do the first is do 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 duo do do duo. So do duo obviously its name um, has two in it, right? Because it has two heads, right? Um, but in Japan, it's just called the dodo, which is of course an extinct bird. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks more like an ostrich. So this mm-hmm. is another situation where, or an emu, you know, some sort of large bird like that. This is another situation where they just sort of took the name, right, and ran with it, even yes. though it didn't look like the actual bird. Um, I mean dodo. I mean you you make a pun by taking dodo and making a do duo. Exactly. But even before you've done that, just dodo by itself is two is of the, the same. same is the same syllable twice. Exactly. Uh so doduo is sort of like a hat on a hat, as they <laughs> as they say in comedy. And um yeah, it's sort of like uh I've heard the story many times, and so perhaps you've heard it as well. The origin of the name donkey kong and how i don't think i know this story tell me i mean it has it has nothing to do with the animal donkey Mm -hmm. just as donkey kong himself is you know is an is an ape like the kong Mm -hmm. part implies Mm -hmm. um but has nothing to do with you know it's not like oh it's he's like an ape but he's like a donkey no Mm -hmm. the only the only reason for it is it's not a physical resemblance to a donkey but the the reputation of a donkey that a a donkey is a stupid animal oh i didn't think i knew that and naming donkey supposedly miyamoto like looking at perhaps a thesaurus like Uh synonyms for stupid sort of the way that (laughs) If you, everyone remembers the stunt from Nathan for you of calling a place dumb Starbucks and claiming that that is parody. Uh-huh. The idea that what Miyamoto was doing was ju- just taking King Kong, but calling him stupid Kong. And, <laughs> and that's, that qualifies as parody. 
but this yeah. but the word for stupid that, that he, he chose picked was, was donkey. Donkey, yeah. That's so funny. Mm-hmm. Then that reminds me of this dodo thing where it's like, oh, there's really no resemblance to a dodo bird, uh-huh. but there's a bird with this appropriate name, which is yeah. dodo. That so then they, works so for this thing the that there's two heads and it's of. a bird, but it's not a dodo bird. It's... Do you know what always drove me nuts about the do duo in Pokemon Go? What's that? Whenever you throw the Pokeball at it, it picks the one head. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't. it's not like it goes back and forth. I think it's always the one on the right. But yeah. I assumed that they would have it be its body. And mm-hmm. I th- always yeah, thought it like. It should be in the center. Yeah. There's something so like insidious insidious about that. Mm-hmm. Right. Like there's something like saying like, no, that's the main one. Yeah. Maybe like, there's. These do duos actually have like a leader. <laughs> right. This is yeah. not a or democracy. Per- or perhaps, <laughs> yeah, the assum- your assumption is that, oh, well, if there's multiple heads and each head has a brain. But, yeah. but actually, maybe if you look, if you looked at an X-ray, maybe there's just one brain. Yeah, <laughs> and that's what's singled out. But yes, exactly. I think that it's very interesting to look at these both in terms of like the animals they were based on, and also the way that they named them because the na- mm-hmm. it's very often related. Right. Um. So this one is Yanmega, which is that big dragonfly Pokemon. Oh yeah. Uh huh. Um, and I guess. Yana is Japanese for large dragonfly. Okay. But there was a in extinct insect species called the Meganura mm-hmm. um, that had a wingspan of two to two and a half feet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so, and that is related to like current day dragonflies. Right. Um, and so, again, a perfect sort of mixture. Like, um, they put Yana, which means large dragonfly, on top of Mega, which means large. But then also there's this uh, Meganura that, like, I guess from whatever, um, I think the design elements came from what they know of this, like, very large dragonfly that existed. And also the way that they size it so that mm-hmm. um, we, you know, compared to whenever they say however long it is. Right. And then this is also one that is, like, not a... Mm. This is like purely name based, but like Klefki is right. those like key Pokemons. Yes, it's like a ring um, of keys. Yes, but Clef with a C in French means key. Okay. So again, it's a double thing, right? right. Because we have Clef, we already have key with Klefki mm-hmm. for our English ears, but then you have Clef in French meaning key. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, so that's fun. Kiki. The last one I wanted to talk about is like the most horrifying one. Okay. Which is Paris. Mm. And and Paris Act, really. But oh. do you remember what Paris is? Yeah, I I, I know this and I, I I in fact I've written about this a little bit, but uh, Really? Will. Yeah, so so Paris is the sort of beetle like bug. Which has a couple of mushrooms mm-hmm. on its back, and then it evolves into parasect, and it and it, in the form of parasect, it's like its its back essentially is like all one big mushroom, and it also has these big white eyes with no pupils. Yeah, and the body is like the 
the insect part of the body is like so small proportionally to the like mushroom back at that point, whereas mm-hmm. the proportions are switched in Paris. Right. Um. So yeah. So this is another great naming one, but this is also like a really horrifying one, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is um. Paris, of course, P A R A S is referencing the idea of something being a parasite or parasitic. Mm-hmm. Um, so something essentially that feeds off of the energy of another living thing um, to get its energy instead of just doing it itself. <laughs> um, but the bug that a Paris is based off of is a cicada nymph. Mm-hmm. And the reason they chose the cicada nymph specifically is that cicada nymphs, when they crawl out of their holes, um, you know, when it's ready for that time for them to be a cicada, um, will sometimes eat this endoparasite that's nearby, uh, thinking it's food because they're quite hungry because they've just been living in a hole as a little larva for like a year or whatever, or 17 years or however long this cycle of the cicada's life is. Mm-hmm. And um, that will take it over. So this fungus, once it gets inside, um, will it's then the insect is just a host to it. So the cicada will continue to go from being um, a nymph to more of a cicada creature, but the fungus is the one controlling everything. Um, It takes over the host's brain um, and then, you know, does what all things want to do, which is, you know, reproduces based off of that. But it makes the cicada just like act super weird and like um, horrifying. Um, and this is also where we get, you know, they've been called like zombie cicadas at right. this point, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're like no longer, they're being controlled by this fungus. Um, which is where we get a lot of the ideas for things like zombies or things like um, in The Last of Us. That's a whole fungus-based horror creature. Right. Um, which is a very scary game, Owen, and you should not play it for many years. Um, a few years. Yeah, like five to six, maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel like I feel like Paris is like a pretty cute Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for a bug, he's pretty cute. And then that's mostly uh, in the eyes, I think. But also, like mushrooms are cute. Yeah, true. The little mushrooms are just like oh, it's, a, it's got a little forest, a little mushroom forest on its back. Yep. And then you learn about how it's this horrifying thing that can happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, and I think that this is also part of the reason I kept this one for last is because it's sort of named after two things. It's based off of two things, right? Right. It's based off of the specific insect and the specific fungus in mm-hmm. this parasitic relationship to make this whole new Pokemon. Right. And in the anime, they show um, Paris at one point plucking mushrooms and putting them on their backs. Mm-hmm. Right. Showing that it's more of a symbio- symbiotic relationship, like two things getting along with one another. Right. So I suppose it's maybe a little bit less scary in the world of Pokemon. And maybe in the world of Pokemon, they just get along. We can hope so, yeah. I mean, certainly there's there's much that has been made of, uh, you know, pointing out to readers and audiences, did you know, or if you read the, pe- the Pokedex entry for this Pokemon, there's something horrifying about it. Yes, Especially with the ghost Pokemon. Right. But Paris is sort of special because I feel like mostly what I know of those horrifying Pokedex entries is they're like, they're based on some folklore. Yes. They're not so often based on 
this is a real like biological thing that happens with some animals and fungi or plants. Um, they're, they're more, you know, there's, there's just stories of balloons that take away kids when the kids pick up the balloon. It's that's, yes. that's not as far as we know, a real thing that happens in the world. You know what I actually think is the scariest description for me for a Pokemon? Is it Cubone? I was going to say Charmander. Oh, uh uh-huh. Right. Because the Charmander original description was something like, if its tail goes out, it dies. Yeah, if the fire goes out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was like, oh, no. Yeah. Because I feel like that seems like it would be really easy. That's a rough one. Yeah. Like, that seems like it should happen all of the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, it's it's like fights a squirtle. Oh, no. Right. Um, But maybe that flame is a little bit more resilient than we give it credit for. Mm-hmm. It's not like a candle or something. Right. Yeah. But I think we all know, you know, we these things have been around for years. And, and we all know about Cubone mm-hmm. and about Drifloon. Mm-hmm. About Gengar, maybe. There's also a newer one that is like a lady that's like a very scary ghost mm-hmm. that I think indicates that it was once human. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can't remember which one that is, though. About Mimikyu, which is kind of yeah. a cute one, but also kind of a creepy one. Yeah. But yeah, that's my that's my happy birthday for Owen episode. I don't know what we'll call this. We'll call, I guess just yeah. happy birthday, Owen. Call it happy birthday, <laughs> Owen. Uh, excellent job, as always. Thank you. And uh, I'm, I, I'm sure uh, Owen will uh, appreciate it. And uh, once again, happy birthday. Yeah. I love you, Will. Talk to you later. Love you too, Liz. Bye-bye. Bye. Will is on Twitter and Letterboxd at youngest of one, and his website is williamhoffacker.com. You can find Liz at exclamate on Instagram, at exclamate underscore on Twitter, or on her website, elizabethdeannamorrislakes.com. Our website is smugbuds.com, and the podcast is at smugbuds on Twitter and Instagram. 